it has been proven time and time again that remote work is the single most positive thing that you can do for employee happiness. So if you have, you know, if you're running like an employee MPS score and you deploy remote work, it is the biggest singular bump that you can do. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we have Liam Martin with us, and we're going to talk about breaking boundaries with remote work and outside sales. Welcome to the show, Liam. Thanks for having me. I am prepared to break down some boundaries. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get our sledgehammers out and make it happen. Let's do it. So uh, Liam Martin is co-founder of Time Doctor, a tool that provides time use analytics for companies. He's also the co-founder of Staff.com, a company that concentrates on providing companies with long-term outsourced labor relationships. And he's also the co-organizer of Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference. So you're really the guy to be talking about for, uh, for this stuff, huh? This is my passion. Uh, I have been working remotely for the past 15 years. Back in the day, it used to be called telework. Now it's called remote work. Uh, somewhere in there, we also talked about it being called outsourcing or distributed work, but basically at this point, it is any individual that works from home or works from a co-working spaces, they're, they're basically disconnected from a centralized office. That's what we de define as remote work. I've been doing that for 15 years. And uh, I think it is not only, and I know that you're in an office right now, but I think this is not just a nice to have, but it will be the most dominant source of work within the decade. Yeah, and we certainly uh, use it at Badger, um, both internationally and domestically. Um, or you know, remote work is certainly a trend that I, I feel like most technology companies are are uh, have moved in the direction of. I mean, it's uh, over the recent years, it's become such a bigger, such a big part of how companies do business in general. What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think uh, the future of remote work is? So right now, twenty. 2018's numbers were 6.5%. So in the United States, so 6.5% of the US workforce works majority remote. And there are two studies that predict that it will be 50% um, penetration by 2027. And another one has 50% penetration by 2025. So let's wow. just call it even and call it 2026. So by 2026, mm -hmm. the majority of the US workforce will be working remotely. And this is going to be a massive shift in the way that we understand work. Mm -hmm. um, field sales, as an example, is a perfect example of, in essence, remote work. I mean, yeah. I don't really know why a field sales agent would necessarily need to check in with a head office if they're doing field sales, as an example. Free, yeah, so well, frequently they're doing remote work. Yeah, free, I think it's one of the earliest forms of remote work, out of, and it was out of necessity. I mean, they, you know, field sales teams have needed to cover geographic territories and so there would be the centralized office and you know wherever it is new york or la or whatever whatever place it was in and then the field sales team was spread geographically across the country and so that's that's one of the first large teams i would say that that is tends to be remote historically i, I can't think of any others but 
Well, um, and customer support, you know, front mm -hmm. office stuff, that kind of thing is all going remote. Um, and it's not just happening in the United States. I think we're seeing a global movement where employers and employees will be able to find the best of each other. And it's just the furthering on of globalization. You know, back mm -hmm. in the 90s, we used to use that terminology of globalization. Well, sure. this is the result of that. And we've laid the infrastructure, which are tools like Slack and Zoom and Time Doctor and all of these other kind of SaaS products to be able to measure and deploy remote work at scale. And now that all of these things that have been laid out, I'm very confident that within the next two to three years, when the next economic correction occurs, we are going to probably see the majority of Fortune 500 recognize that instead of doing direct layoffs, they can instead deploy remote work agreements because the average remote worker is about 40% more cost effective than an on-premise employee. So mm -hmm. instead of firing everybody, we can actually just all go remote, get the same level of productivity or better productivity out of those individuals, but then still have um, a huge cost savings. So mm -hmm. I actually think within the next 10 years, people will be asking to come back to an office because Fortune 500 will recognize how profitable it is to actually run remote work agreements. Right now, they're a little scared. They're poking at the idea. That very mm -hmm. soon is going to change. Yeah, I mean, one of my experiences with it was when I worked at IBM, and uh, we we had probably I don't know ten floors in this building in in San Francisco, big building downtown, and uh, maybe maybe more. I'm not even sure how many it was originally, but then they collapsed. They took away everyone's desk, so everyone became deskless. But there were just there were only a certain number of all the desks. You, you could go use any desk space because they were all just empty. But you wouldn't like leave a picture of your you know husband or whatever on the desk, you would, you would uh, just show up at the, at any desk and, and sit down at any empty desk and then start working there. And you just have your little, your little work bag and uh, your laptop inside of it. And they collapsed those 12 floors or whatever it was down to six, then down to four. And they just told anyone, Hey, if you want, if you need to work in the office, come to the office. If you can, if you want to work from home, work from home. So it went from 12 floors to six floors to four floors. I think by the time I left, uh, it was probably about two floors that they still had because just nobody was in the office. And I, I actually always went to the office because I, I live pretty close to, to downtown in San Francisco anyway. So it was easy for me. And I, and I like to, I was super early in my career. So I like to get the mentorship of, from other salespeople mm -hmm. and, and learn from them. But in general, everyone was like, if I can stay home, I'm staying home, man. I'm not going to take the train in. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I mean, you're describing internally sourced co-working. Mm -hmm. which is a lot of what large corporate is currently doing. Yeah. Um, you know, notwithstanding the WeWork disaster that has currently happened. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is, uh, this is December of 2019. Last month, we saw WeWork completely implode. And that was really kind of, they declared themselves as the, almost like the Amazon AWS of, co mm -hmm. of, of office space, right? Yeah. So why deploy direct infrastructure, why deploy a server rack as an example, when you can just borrow the cloud infrastructure from WeWork and deploy it that way. Um, right. I think that thesis is still correct. However, it's probably, it should be run by a much more efficient organization than WeWork. Yeah, well, um, and they just, it, it's, it's not that they had a bad idea in my, in my opinion, it's just they did, you know, they had some bad contracts and, and most important, their valuation was just radically off. I mean, they, they were, 
it's it's not a bad idea. It's just well, if if you if you say that your Honda Accord's worth two point five million dollars and and you know sell tw- sell twenty five percent of it at that rate, and <laughs> you're gonna have a problem, right? Like it's gonna it's gonna be a disaster. Yeah. So. So those pieces, they're all in place to be able to make remote work really quote unquote work. And uh, it's just, it's the, there's going to be an economic opportunity um, for companies right now. I think within the next two years, for us at least, we're seeing such a massive labor opportunity by being able to actually worker scale and get talent that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to get access to that, you know, and for everyone else that runs remote first teams, they're seeing the same thing. Just the talent that's being presented is, is crazy and the quality and the cost benefits are crazy. But I think that's probably gonna lock up within the next two years. And I think for people that are thinking about looking at remote work now, right now it's an employee perk. It's actually the number one thing that can make your employees happier in most of all survey polling that's done in the HR space. But within the next few years, it's not just gonna be an employee perk, it's gonna be a requirement. Uh, people are going to have to be able to know how to hire remotely, otherwise they're gonna be left behind. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Uh, how would you say that the uh, this new era that we're entering into, the era of remote work, how would you say that's changed the landscape of sales? What would your advice be to an outside salesperson, given what you know and given your expertise? Sure. So we actually have a very interesting process for, for our sales team. Um, we've went through a few different iterations. We're now at the iteration where we have a, our VP of sales that pulls in sales reps and works with them directly for about a quarter. And if they don't hit quota by the end of that quarter, they go home without a job. If they do hit quota by the end of that quarter, then they go home with a job and they go back to their local territory Mm. that they work out of. Um, Understanding collaboration, understanding how to communicate mentorship virtually is really important. So as an example, our sales team, uh, they play video games two or three times a week together and that's paid time. And Mm. it's just an opportunity to actually discuss things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily discuss in a direct office setting, but you would discuss next to a water cooler. Mm-hmm. And then also too, um, everyone in the sales team does review calls of other reps through Zoom recordings. So we record all of our calls and then we analyze it and we say, hey, this was a good point, this was a bad point, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's how you can overcome the kind of synchronicity that sometimes you need in direct sales. That makes sense. Um, would you say uh, would you say that outside sales and remote work always overlap, or how do they overlap? What, what's the connection there? I mean, I think um, salespeople were actually one of the first people to go remote. To your point, and it's very easily accessible by a remote work community by the remote work community. You know, a lot of people are now going remote now that are salespeople. So. Um, but I think a lot of people are actually getting left behind in that process as well. I know a lot of older people that have been in the game for 20 or 30 years that we've tried to hire that have actually had a lot more experience than younger people. They just can't hit their numbers because they just, their onboarding towards understanding the demo doesn't really work in the same way. Or, you know, their collaboration with customer success doesn't necessarily work in the same way. So uh, because they need that, 
face-to-face interaction. And that's just not the person that we hire anymore. We need someone mm-hmm. that's going to be able to onboard virtually. So it's definitely, uh, there's huge opportunities. I actually think right now, probably there's a little bit of the reshuffling of the deck because there's maybe, I think there's two salespeople on our team right now that are over the age of 50 and we have 20 ish people on the team. So that's a pretty interesting ratio. And those are the senior level guys that we actually, a lot of the other people look towards for mentorship, but we're mostly at like the sub 30 level. And I think that's because a lot of those people were able to understand remote work better than some of the older people. And what is the, what is the technology landscape um, for remote work look like for sales teams? Like what, what specific things in the tech stack are, are really useful for a sales team that's, uh, that's looking to go remote? You mean other than badger mapping? <laughs> no, I mean, we're, I, well, I guess, I mean, yeah, we're, I, I don't know if we, give you a plug, man. yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, well, we don't, we, uh, okay, so yeah, there, there's one, but what else looked, what is, what else, what is the tech, I, actually, it's funny, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, uh, but what, what does the tech stack look like for you um, for remote work for field sales? Sure, so, I mean, for us, um, I'm just going to talk about our own sales team, uh, we've got, you know, we use HubSpot, you can use Salesforce, you can use anything else, but we, we use HubSpot. Um, just in terms of details connected to the tech stack, everyone on our team gets the bat, uh, Bose Sound True Ultras, which is actually what I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about $70. And the reason why we really like them is they have very comfortable ear tips, but more importantly, the microphone is one of the, it's, got a condenser inside of it as well so it provides for really good audio but it's very lightweight so everyone can kind of put it in their pocket and they're very mobile with it what is that uh, called one password we should put that in bose sound true ultras okay. 70 dollars. i have like a dozen of them floating around <laughs> all around you know everywhere that i've uh, that i'm at because it's just so easy for me to kind of plug in and do what i need to do uh, quickly and easily. And you can just bunch them up and put them in your pocket for, for mobile people. That's, that's big. That's super there's a useful. Lot of, yeah. There's a lot of like subgroups of remote workers uh, as well. One of the biggest ones is digital nomads, which are people that work from their laptops. So they have no set address and they just travel constantly. Mm-hmm. And for them, walking around with big cans is just not something that they're interested in doing. So being as um, efficient as humanly possible with their footprint is is big. Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that definitely describes a lot of field salespeople who listen to this yeah. podcast. I mean, Did they. Get you back at this point. Yeah, can you can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me? Hello, Liam. You yeah, there? it can looks you... like for some reason you dropped out a little bit, but hopefully, uh, it, it's yeah. okay. Can you hear me I... now? Yeah, uh, we we could hear you the whole time, so I, I guess you just couldn't hear us. Oh. So I'll just I'll just say the last thing I said again. Okay. Um, what was I just saying, Jenny? That a lot of field sales. Yeah. So that that's definitely what a lot of field sales people um, qualify as digital nomads. That's definitely uh, right. Uh, you know, these guys are often driving driving around in their cars and uh, and and visiting with customers, and uh, and, and so they they 
they'll they'll be working on their laptop out of the office sometimes out of their home out of their out of the mm-hmm. starbucks whatever very very mobile group of people um outfield sales teams i think they've, they've always had to be what, what do you think are the so, biggest uh recent developments in technology for remote work uh well i mean I'll give you a, a couple ones that are just off the top of my head. Uh, one password has just implemented a recent feature that I've been in love with, which is encrypting all of our passwords. So in our organization, because we're a remote first company, we don't want to actually distribute all of our passwords to different team members. Mm-hmm. So what we do instead, anything that someone may get access to they're not actually getting the direct password. They're getting the um, cipher connected to that password. And then one password is doing the login on their behalf. So let's say I need to let someone go in the future. I can just automatically go in and remove their one password access, which then basically pulls them from all of their logins mm-hmm. instantaneously. There's only one point of, um, of contention there, which is, which is super useful. And I think yeah. it's like $2 a month or something like that per user. So super useful. Yeah, that's Google pretty... Apps for Business mm-hmm. is uh, one of those ones that I use all the time. You know, seven dollars per user per month, super easy. Slack is pretty, uh, pretty obviously a big, huge kind of, kind of like messaging, communication, collaboration app that everyone uses. We still use Skype. Uh, we like Skype. It's actually something that we've grown up with over the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. Zoom is another really good option if you're going to pay for it. Uh, we use Trello for small projects. We use Stormboard for online collaboration. Envision as well for online collaboration. I have everyone in the team uh, get, they all get a 32-inch um, screen. So going with their laptop, we issue MacBook Pros to everybody, but then on top of that, we get a 32-inch external screen, and it's all connectable through USB Type-C. So it's very simplistic, and the screen that we get, I think, is the ViewSonic not that expensive. Uh, ViewSonic VX32. And okay. you can connect through USB-C through it. And it also powers your laptop. So we have those not only for everyone's home offices, but then we also have crash pads. Uh, so we implement like almost kind of like internal co-working spaces in the company. If you have more than five employees in the location, you're able to open up a crash pad. And uh, we just have kind of like, as you said before at IBM, five or six of those external screens with some, you know, uh, desks and stuff like that connected to it and people can come there and collaborate. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. You, you described a lot of the stuff that we use one password, uh, Google, uh, you know, for email and docs collaboration, Slack, uh, we we use Dell monitors, not the not not the well, I forget the one you mentioned, but ViewGen. ViewSonic VX thirty twos. ViewSonic VX thirty twos. Yeah, we'll we'll check those out. Um, and then we we do the crash pad uh, strategy as well at Badger. We have um, you know a couple couple apartments in Europe and a couple apartments uh, around the U.S. and and then uh, I'm considering one in San Francisco right now, but that is. That is hatefully expensive, <laughs> so, so we haven't we haven't gotten that one yet. But uh, but those, those are those those have been really useful. Another for, for honorable that. mention that I could make too that I've recently discovered is um, so I have I'm on Mac, and mm-hmm. if you get an iPad Pro 
and you update the newest version of the Mac operating system, this acts as a second monitor. Oh, no kidding. Which is really great if you're mobile. So if you want to be able to do like all of your Zoom calls on your iPad, and then mm -hmm. you want to be able to take notes on your MacBook, um, it's really great. And the stylus is just so useful in terms of that interactivity. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way the I like the way the stylus uh, I like the way the stylus charges itself on the side of the the new MacBook Pro. Uh, the, yeah, the the Pro, the Mac, or not MacBook, yeah, the iPad iPad, iPad Pro. I like the way it sticks on there and charges itself. That's that's really nice compared to the old ones. You had to plug in, and then you always you know it was so easy to run run out of batteries in the thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Cool. So. Uh, Talk to me about the advantages that remote field sales teams have over non-remote teams. I mean, so number one, uh, cost efficiency, right? Like you're not having an office. Uh, and that's kind of talking to like the owner mm -hmm. of field sales organizations or, you know, the, the sales manager. Um, your costs have gone down by on average 40% and breaking down that number that kind of connects to your saving costs, but then you're also just making that process a lot more efficient. You know, if you have to have someone that gets in their car and then comes to head office even, and then starts doing their route, man, mm -hmm. that's actually a really inefficient way to deploy your talent. Uh, you should instead just have them directly drive to where they're going to work. Sure. Um, so that's, that's one big advantage. For the employer on the employee side, it has been proven time and time again that remote work is the single most positive thing that you can do for employee happiness. So if you have, you know, if you're running like an employee MPS score and you deploy remote work, it is the biggest singular bump that you can do. I think it's more, it's a better, it's a better, um, it boosts MPS more than a 10% salary hike mm. for employees. Like they want to do it that much more than getting a salary hike. So that's, that's awesome. I think there's huge advantages on both sides. What, what do you think about the hybrid model where people spend, you know, some number of days at home, some number of days in the office. And, you, you know, I see a lot of offices just closing up on Fridays or not coming in on Mondays, things like that. So I think that remote Fridays are great. Uh, I think it's a really great way to kind of test the waters and see where you are, you know, where you want to be in a year or two. But generally for me, when I see that hybrid model, it moves in the direction of full remote. And it mostly comes from the employer side uh, because they recognize, well, okay, everyone's like, I have a, I have a, a crash pad here. And um, there's six people in this local city that work for me. And I was the only one in the office today. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it and think to yourself, okay, well, this office costs me $4,000 a month. Right. Man, maybe I could, I could get an entirely new rep for $4,000 a month that could yeah. be working for me. Oh, right. Absolutely. So I, you kind of run those numbers and you think to yourself, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is the wrong idea. So I think that it's a great, introduction to remote work but i do see it i mean most of the time uh remote work kind of spreads like a virus like in san francisco as an example for generation zero developers so developers under the age of 26 three out of every five of them work remotely right now in san francisco whereas for 
even someone that's like 10 years ahead, it's a complete reverse. It's like one out of every five developers works remotely in San Francisco. Interesting. So huge change. That is really interesting. Um, what do you think a sales manager can do to build more trust with a remote sales team? I think, you know, I, I'm going to change what I would say is a standard uh, argument towards trust. Because I actually think you really need to pay attention to salespeople. You need to keep them on a much shorter leash than a developer, as an example. Generally, they're A-type personalities. They're very extroverted. You know, they want to be able to talk with people. And salespeople generally are going to do whatever, whatever maximizes their own personal return for the minimum amount of input humanly possible. So... Mm -hmm. I would say actually, if someone wants to work remotely, they really need to prove it to their salesperson or to their, to their sales manager. So what that would mean is like making sure that you're hitting your numbers, making sure that your numbers are not, are not changing. We actually had one of our recent sales guys uh, or a, an AE of ours moved to Medellin in Colombia and he was in the U S and he just realized that Medellin was really cool and he could cut his, costs to like 25% of what they were in the US. So he moved mm -hmm. to Medellin, but his numbers went down by 20%. I wonder, I wonder why. <laughs> right. Well, and, and he was Have having a to ton Medellin? of fun. <laughs> no. So, I mean, he's having a ton of fun in Medellin, but then we had to actually grab him and say, hey, so I'm really excited that you're in Medellin, but uh, you've went from number one in the team to number four. Uh, what's going on? You know, like you've got to be able to make sure the dollars and cents work for, for what you're doing. So, I mean, in terms of just deployment, right? Like making sure your CRM is up to date, making sure you're, you're on for meetings that you've committed to actually do that virtual zoom meeting and that you're there and you're present. Um, we use time doctor internally inside of our organization for time tracking. You can do that as well. It's really up to, where you're at in terms of developing that trust and communicating that information back to your employer to be able to say, Hey, I know that this is a benefit and I'm making sure that I'm accountable to you um, because of that benefit. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the major drawbacks and challenges of managing a remote sales team, remote workers in general, really, but specifically sales, if you can think of any specifics. Sure. So, I mean, that's also one that's pretty interesting. We've had, so there's lots of studies that come out about remote work, right? And um, the, the thing that everyone says continuous is there's a loneliness factor. That's probably the number one biggest problem for long-term success in remote work. We've done a little bit of psychographic testing for remote workers and we recognized that people that are introverted are actually a lot more successful in remote work agreements Absolutely. than people that are extroverted, which is problematic for salespeople because right. if you're an introverted salesperson, you're probably not very good at your job. Mm -hmm. um, well, and, <laughs> you're I, and I always, not be that successful. I always found that I always found myself to be relatively lonely when I was on the, like a long sales trip. Cause like, you know, you're not really getting the human interaction you want out of like a sales meeting. You know, you know you're, you're on, you're presenting, you're, you're, you're working, but like, you know, I, I just, 
I definitely found myself lonely in a lot of hotel rooms in like Kansas and like being like, Oh boy, what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, that's a major part of it. Um, you need to be able to make sure you're communicating with your team on a regular basis, creating some type of virtual space, right? We actually tried for our support team. Uh, we gave them all Oculus riffs because mm -hmm. we started to see whether or not we could actually meet in VR and it was a massive disaster uh, <laughs> just kind of as, a, as an aside if you have so everyone was able to build their own character and they meet in this virtual space mm -hmm. and you know we had one guy that had like a three-foot mohawk and like four boobs on his you know on his chest and he was in neon you know uh, thongs and all this kind of stuff and we just recognized that it was an HR nightmare yeah, that we just need to shut down very quickly. And that's an example of, you know, we're just trying to figure out different ways to be able to help people collaborate and get access to um, that, that communication that people are looking for. Loneliness is definitely a, a big problem. The second biggest one is collaboration. So uh, I believe 86% of um, remote workers have stated that they feel their ability to collaborate is less effective when working remotely mm -hmm. in comparison to when they're in an office. And the way that you overcome that too is just communication, right? So being able to very clearly create KPIs and the beauty of sales is the KPIs are so clear. How much money do you make? Um, that's actually one of the biggest advantages of deploying remote for salespeople because it's just so clear. But if you're talking about development and all these other types of things, it's a lot more existential. Mm -hmm. So identifying those KPIs and making sure that everyone's accountable to them, like we're doing, making sure that everyone's reviewing another sales demo per week, coming from another salesperson and just sort of seeing how they're doing things differently and maybe talking about it. You know, we play video games, they play, um, play a whole bunch of ones a lot of counter-strike a lot of first-person shooters those mm -hmm. types of things that they like um strategic video games you know th those types of things kind of solve the collaboration and the loneliness problem or at least they hopefully move the needle on them mm -hmm. um this is all relatively new too right remote work is something that at scale uh, five years ago it was less than one percent of the u.s population now it's 6.5 percent so we're implementing a very interesting experiment in how we work. So I don't have all the answers, but those are some of the leading indicators that the studies have found. What would you say are some of the most surprising benefits of remote work to you? Contentment, uh, the ability to be able to work where I wanna work and do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. I travel about six months out of the year and I've been to 17 different countries in the last year. Uh, I've probably traveled more in the last year than most people do in their entire lifetimes. And that gift to me has only been afforded because I was able to work remotely. If I was working in a cubicle, there's no way I would have been able to, to do that. But we've engineered our company and our work philosophy to be able to do that. And that's been um, such a massive gift and so, so beneficial to me just as a human being. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I've got to be 
I'm kind of a, a remote worker myself, really, just because we have, you know, Badger has offices all over the world, right? And and not to mention mm-hmm. employees in different places. And so I, I spend a lot of times work, a lot of time working out of those offices. So, I mean, I'm I'm probably in my home office only six months out of the year. So it's uh, right. It's just you know, do I count as a mobile worker? I'm not sure. I mean, it's a hybrid, obviously. And 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 when I am in you know Spain, I'm I'm at our Spain office. Or if I'm you know, in Utah, I'm in my Utah office. But um, I think still, based off of my T-shirt, I can uh, I can dub you uh, officially a remote worker if you feel <laughs> that you need someone to tell you if you're working if you're traveling more than six months out of the year, you are a remote worker, and I would probably also put you down as kind of like a, a half-time digital nomad as well, yeah, which is another yeah. cool part of of working remotely. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely true. Um, well, I think, you know, I think a lot of salespeople are too. I mean, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the travel is for going to my own offices and, and working with people that work for, work for the company, but in different places, but it's a lot of it is going to work, meet with customers from a customer success perspective, a sales perspective. So, um, so well, the next section is called sales in 60 seconds. So what we're going to do is quick questions, quick answers. What's I'm the ready. top? What is the top quality that you look for in a remote sales worker? Uh, if someone has not done a really boring uh, job in like a McDonald's or a Burger King, they have not done door-to-door sales or they have not done any type of military service, I don't hire them. I found okay. that if they haven't done some of those things that are hard, uh, when things get tough, they just can't actually, they, they collapse under pressure. Yeah, I would say that's, that's kind of a rule for not just remote sales workers, but, or remote workers in general, but just anyone. <laughs> if, you, yep. if, you, if someone doesn't have something that looks like it hurts on their resume, I, I tend to shy away. Um, what's the best advice you have for managing remote sales teams? If you are a manager, what, what, what should you be thinking about? document all of your processes. Um, Absolutely the number one reason why remote companies fail is because they don't have clear processes in place and the implementation of that, it will take a long time. It's like doing your taxes. No one wants to do it, but it is probably the single way to scale a small organization to a large scale organization, regardless of whether they're remote or not. The only difference Mm -hmm. is with remote teams, it's something that you need to do much earlier on in the company's growth stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you can get away with that a lot longer if everyone is in the same office because that sacred knowledge doesn't necessarily need to be distributed and deployed digitally in the same way. So, yeah, I, I learned that um, even just having my, my when, I, when I opened my second office that was a, you know, and there were salespeople in, in two different offices. I like the, the knowledge wasn't, didn't transfer around the same way as it was able to when everyone was in the same place. And so we really needed to really needed to, to document everything. If you go to uh, GitLab or if you just Google GitLab handbook, GitLab has the largest remote work um, process document I think I've ever seen. It's 3,200 pages. It's completely open source. And it will show you how GitLab does a demo, what kind of stock options you get when you join GitLab, uh, you know, how they uh, sign their emails, everything is in there. 
And the beauty of it is Dimitri, who's the CTO and co-founder of GitLab, encourages people to steal it. So steal it, create your own Git repository, and literally just change around your the names, uh, replace GitLab with Badger Mapping, as an mm -hmm. example, and you're off to the races. And everyone can just read 3,200 pages. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned about remote salespeople? Boy, uh, remote salespeople need collaboration and they need interaction more than any other department that I have been managing. And that was something that I didn't understand at the beginning of building a sales team. And now it is, if I had learned that lesson six, seven years ago, I would have been a couple million dollars richer. There you go. Um, how do you measure the success of a remote sales team? So we have an interesting metric at Time Doctor. Uh, we measure sales per hour. So hmm. we do not actually measure, we used to measure who made us the most money this month and then we give out commission, basically a bonus based off of that particular month. Uh, we give out commission, but then we give a bonus structure for let's say whoever closed the most deals for that particular month. And we realized that that was moving us in a direction that we didn't necessarily want to go. So we had one salesperson that closed 5,000 MRR and worked for 250 hours during the month. And then we had someone that worked 150 hours during the month and they made 4,800 in MRR. Now, someone worked almost double the amount of time and made an extra $200 in MRR. Uh, we didn't want to start rewarding people that were just burning the midnight oil and at the end of the day, burning themselves out. We instead wanted to say, what's a more sustainable growth curve that we can uh, make in our people? How can we make sure that they're staying mentally sane as well as also making us bucket loads of money? So we now measure uh, money per hour. Interesting. I've never heard of anyone doing that. That is fascinating. Um, do you worry that some people will just that, that's like game that system? Like meaning could they just work 30 hours a week or say they were working 30 hours a week, but then cram yes. it, cram, cram all the sales in. Yeah. So we actually have been measuring this specifically with time doctor because we're able to measure a whole bunch of data. We're also be it, we can measure how much so we've actually been doing spot checking on people and we don't do it that often. Maybe like one rep every three months we'll spot check and we'll just say, did you really spend 150 hours working this month or did you spend a little bit more time? Uh, you know, let's like, let's look into this in a deeper way. Oh, you were, you know, you were having these sales meetings at three o'clock in the morning. Well, it's not saying you were tracking any time at three o'clock in the morning what's going on so people need to be disciplined towards the tool we use it mm -hmm. internally we eat our own dog food but um, it is something that we're concerned about but it was also just more of a statement for us to be able to tell our employees stop working so hard start working smart mm. not just hard interesting I feel I feel like such an old man just uh, just paying sales reps based on their based on their revenue they bring in <laughs> this is... try that one we'll see how i mean 
it's an interesting experiment. Uh, sales numbers have not go, gone down, but uh, I think that a lot of people's stress has. Well, that, that would be a huge success then, right? That's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What is the, the main way you see remote work transforming the sales industry in the coming years? I don't know whether to say, you know, I guess maybe let's say three, three, seven, 10, 15, whatever, whatever metrics you want to, whatever, whatever uh, lines you want to draw in the sand. Could you say that another way? What are the, the I didn't catch that last. What part. are the main ways that remote work will change the, the sales industry over the next uh, periods of time over the years? Huh. So, uh, I'll give you in the next five years, because I think that's a pretty nice round number. Mm-hmm. Um, by 2025, uh, uh, about, I would say 75% of all sales, regardless of whether it's inbound, outbound, field sales, whatever, will be done remotely. And probably it's around 10 to 20% right now. So mm-hmm. people are going to have to learn how to collaborate remotely on their sales meetings in a much more different way. The measurement is going to be a lot more quantitative as opposed to right now where it's somewhat more qualitative. Um, We're going to see probably a lot more digital nomads that are going to be salespeople. I think when I communicate with the digital nomad community, a lot of them uh, do sales already because it's a really easy job to do while you're continuously traveling. So those are the major things that I see. Um, I would probably say, you know, the, I could be completely wrong. Um, I mean, maybe when you just to, de- just to define digital, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with the digital nomad concept. Do you mean someone sure. who is, doesn't have a home, but stays in hotels or short, short-term rec- rentals around the world while they travel and work remotely via the internet? Is that your definition? That's it. That's what a digital nomad is. Okay. Generally make, from places that sure. are really nice and warm and cheap. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. T- think, think Medellin, the Philippines, uh, Southern Spain. Bali. Yeah. Yeah. Chiang Mai in, in, uh, in Thailand, Ubud in Bali, Medellin in Colombia, uh, Barcelona in Spain. These are all hot spots for remote, for digital nomads. Mm-hmm. And uh, for remote workers as well, but for a lot of digital nomads, you know, they'll just bop around to those different locations because they can. Yeah. Live life on vacation. Just wake up and, and work for eight hours. Um, very cool. As an actionable takeaway for everybody, what should sales managers listening today do as a first step towards getting started on using remote workers to strengthen their sales team? First thing you should do is open up a Google Doc, identify all of the major processes inside of your sales organization, and start to document them. Uh, Spend one hour after you get off of this podcast just identifying maybe what you need to document. And inside of that, it's very important to identify what I call sacred knowledge. So what pieces of information does only one person in your organization have that is absolutely critical to your sales organization continuing to function and scale in the future. Identify where that sits, get them to put it on a piece of paper for you, preferably a digital piece of paper, and give it to you. If you can do that, 
you'll have the framework in place to be able to start doing remote work experiments. If you do not have that information in place, you will fail at remote work. Yeah. Well, one, one tip I would give there is, uh, is have people switch people's roles a little bit. So like if one person like have kind of, slowly move responsibilities around the organization, like take it away from this person, give it to this person um, and, and have the person that was doing it, doing it, document it for the next person. Um, and by doing that, not only do you duplicate and replicate uh, skills, it gets you in the, in the habit of um, just delegating in general and, and hiring more junior people to take over the, the roles of take over, take over the responsibilities and activities of, of more senior people um, but you also get everything documented. So that's, that's a strategy that, yeah, that I've employed that. over the years. That's great. All right. Well, I'm going to try to summarize all the wisdom that you've dropped upon us here about remote work. Um, okay. A lot of our people are listening to this in the car, so they can't take notes, et cetera. So in summary, there is a global movement of people working remotely. The average remote worker is about 40% more cost-effective than an on-prem worker. Working remote is not just an employee perk. As time goes on, it will become a normal part of many people's jobs. And this is very, going to be very common in sales and already is. Remote sales teams need to understand how to collaborate and communicate remotely. That's key to their success. Salespeople were one of the first groups of people to, to truly go remote, and that was by necessity, cover territories. Companies are looking for people who can be onboarded virtually, and uh, that's a key skill when you're screening for, for, to hire someone uh, in this new remote virtual world that we're in here. Great remote tools include um, 1Password for dispersing and securing passwords, Slack, Google Apps for Business, Trello, Asana, um, having good external screens and great headphones are critical. Um, advantages of remote field sales teams include cost efficiency, which we talked about both in terms of office space savings and employee time savings and being able to hire people that live in cheaper places rather than more expensive places. Um, employee happiness. Uh, it, it, boost net promoter net promoter score and uh, to, to be able to have your have your people work remotely um, remote sales reps need to prove to their sales managers that they can work well remote and continue to hit their numbers a major drawback to working remote is loneliness and having trouble collaborating companies can host uh, fun activities remotely to help with these drawbacks and get around some of them well, honestly, Liam, this has been a fantastic discussion of a really important topic. Where can our listeners read more about your work, reach out to you, get to know about what you do? Number one, that was a fantastic review of this podcast. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I have been on 438 podcasts within the last year, and uh, that is a super useful feature where... <laughs> If you're listening to this podcast, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. You can now just go back and listen to the last five minutes and get everything you need. Uh, yeah, that, that is that yeah. is the goal. I mean, I, I feel like when you hear something twice, you remember it better, which is why I, we, I've so kind of structured it this way. 
Um, and, you know, I just jot down a few notes as we talk and, and then just plop it out at the begin at the end of the thing, because, and, and really, I mean, field salespeople are, are behind the wheel when they're listening to this. We've, you know, all, we've gotten that feedback right. time and time again. Um, and so it's, you know, to hear it twice while you're driving is really useful. And I think and a lot of people have told oh, me they, right. they, they rewind that part and listen to it a couple of times so it'll literally sink in. Got it. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Time Doctor, go to timedoctor.com. If you want to learn about Running Remote, which is the largest conference on building and scaling remote teams, go to runningremote.com slash Liam. This year, we moved it from Bali, Indonesia, where we had it last year, and we are moving this year to Austin, Texas. So it's just like Bali, except there's barbecue. Uh, and it's a lot closer for people that are located in the United States. So we're very excited about that. And if you want to get in contact with me, uh, we had this discussion before I jumped on to the podcast, but I think the most honest form of social media is YouTube because it requires people's full attention and they at least can kind of see who I am and communicate with me on a face-to-face basis. So if you go to youtube.com slash running remote, any other form of social media that you see is not run by me. It may have my face on it, but it's actually someone that works for me that responds on my behalf, except for YouTube. So if you put a comment down there, I'll get back to you within a couple hours. Very cool. Well, um, Liam, thanks for joining the show. This has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If any of our listeners can think of other sales reps that would benefit from learning uh, all about what we've discussed here today uh, with respect to remote work, share the love and forward this episode on to them. Take care until next time.